0: I'm wondering if you can relate to any of the people in the skit today. Maybe you connect most with the person who is here to worship and is distracted by people in front of her talking. Or maybe, just maybe, you relate to the people who seem to find something that can be wrong with anything. Maybe it's the temperature in here. Maybe... It's the way the pastor's dressed today that just isn't quite right. I picked it out myself, thanks. <laughs> maybe it's the tempo of the song, or a song you don't know, or we repeat it too many times. Or maybe you relate to the lady who came in at the end and asked, Well, what didn't Jesus like about that worship? And if we're honest, Probably would be the fact that it really wasn't worship at all because it was focused on us and not focused on God. This whole series we've been talking about Jesus' eyes and how Jesus sees different things. And today we're going to talk about how Jesus sees worship. And so if you want to join me in John 4. John four nineteen through 26. And as you are finding John 4, I just want to give you a little idea of this story. We are in the midst of the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And this is a, a conversation that normally would not happen. First off, men and women did not engage in conversation in this culture uh, in public. They also, Samaritans and Jews, despised each other. Like they would not be caught dead talking to each other. And the social status of this woman is really low. And Jesus' social status is really high. And so that brings us to verse 19 and a conversation about worship. Not what you would expect to happen in this conversation. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes from the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. It's very clear right off the bat, Jesus says what worship is not. It is not a place. It is not on a mountain. It is not in Jerusalem. It doesn't have to be in those locations. So for us to say, I am going to worship, we're not going to a place. Worship is an activity that we do when we come into this sanctuary. Jesus is very clear that it's not a specific place. We can worship here in Cedar Hills while they do the same down at the Church of the Open Bible on E Avenue, while they do the same at Willow Creek Community Church in Barrington, Illinois, while they do the same in Africa and in house churches in China. It is not the location that matters, but it is what happens at that location. Jesus says that there are three things in this passage that define worship. It is who, it is why, and it is how. So our first question we're going to deal with today is who do we worship? Now we can have all different thoughts on what that looks like, but Jesus is very clear on what it is. Now some people may worship uh, other gods. Uh, for example, maybe Buddha is something that somebody would worship. I mean, why wouldn't you? Hey, look at that guy. Maybe we worship celebrities. We put them on a pedestal and we give them praise and honor. Maybe someone like, oh, Elvis. That's not Elvis. But he might come up here pretty soon. There he is. Maybe we worship Elvis. Okay, so maybe that's a little dated. How about for you younger folks? Maybe sometimes we would worship uh, Five Seconds of Summer. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we put them on a pedestal. Or for all you sports fans, maybe we decide to uh, give our glory to uh, the Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, oh, I mean, look at that guy. Why wouldn't you? Or, since since it's that time of year, maybe, just maybe, we decide to give our worship to these people on the screen next. Or maybe not. (laughs) Let's not go there. But I bet, just I bet that all of you know someone Who has worshiped somebody up there on the screen, or maybe you yourself do. Maybe it is a celebrity that all you can think of is being able to see them and be involved, be like, be able to touch them and be able to shake their hand and and get their autograph, and it's so great. Or maybe it's a professional sports team where when they play the 12 o'clock game, you're counting the minutes. And hoping the pastor goes really short so you can get home and watch them. Or maybe, maybe just maybe, you're deciding which one to team up with this fall. Jesus doesn't mention the Packers in John 4. It's amazing. Nor does he mention politicians or celebrities. Jesus said, Who do you worship? You worship the Father. And in Matthew 4, verse 10, when he's being tested by Satan, he says, no, 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 you got it all wrong, Satan. We don't worship you. God says we must worship him only. So when we decide what Jesus, how Jesus views worship, it is God only who deserves our worship. And in the Old Testament, names meant a lot. If you named your child something, it was for a reason. And we see tons and tons of names for God in the Old Testament. So I want to read some to you, because these names of God tell us who he is. El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. El Elyon, the Most High God. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my Banner. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Mekodishkim, the Lord who sanctifies. El Olam, the everlasting God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. These are the names of God. And I think they do a great job of describing who God is. He is the Almighty. He is the Most High. He is our shepherd, the one who heals, the one who is there. Take a moment and look at those names. Which one has God been in your life this week? Has your life been chaotic? Stand on the truth that the Lord is peace. Are you dealing with some health issues? Stand on the truth that God is the one who heals. If you're confused and are just overwhelmed, know that God is the God that is there with you in the midst of that confusion. This is who Jesus tells us we must worship, is God. And I think this list of names is a really good reason of not only who God is, but a really good reason of why he deserves to be worshiped. He deserves our worship because of who he is. But not only who he is, but what he has done. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke into existence all there was and all there is. And then when it came to humankind, he got his hands dirty and he molded human form in the mud. And not only were his hands dirty, but he breathed the very breath of life into that mound of mud and breath filled the human body for the first time. God gave us physical life in a perfect world which we as humans decided wasn't good enough for us. We thought the snake had a better interpretation of what we should do. And so we followed him and in the midst of that there was division, a separation between a perfect God and a sinful humanity. And in the midst of that separation God still was the God who provided. He provided correction for Adam and Eve, but He also provided animal skins as clothing. See, in the midst of when we are away from God, that does not change who He is. He is still a provider, He's still a healer. He is still there when we try to hide. We worship God because of who he is and what he's done for us. He didn't stop at just providing physical needs. He knew that this physical life was temporary. And in the midst of that temporariness, he knew that uh, spiritual life would go on. Some of us just see this life and say, this is it. That's all there is. And God said, no, there's more. And the only way for you to experience that more with me is if Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. So he sent Jesus to live a perfect life, die on the cross and rise again. And now Jesus offers you and me spiritual life that goes on forever. I want to challenge you. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about Jesus? Because what you believe about Jesus and this free gift of eternal life not only changes what happens here and now in the physical life, but it will be a drastic impact to what happens after this life is over. And God provided it all for you, free of charge for you to receive. So we worship a God who is all these things and more who has provided physical life and eternal life for those who will receive it. And then we figure out how. What does Jesus say about how we should worship? I want to read to you verses 23 and 24 again. I'm going to read it from a slightly different version. Uh, It's from a book called The Jesus Book, and it's from the Hawaii Pigeon language uh, from a tribe that is in Hawaii that says this. Garen's the time going to come and already stay here now when the people that go down and pray to the father for real kind, they going to give him plenty of love and respect because they stay tight with God's spirit and they know how to stay for real. That's the kind people the father like for give him plenty of love and respect. God, he won spirit. So then the people that give him plenty of love and respect got to do them because they stay tight with God's spirit. And cause they know how God stay for real. How do we worship God? By staying tight with God's spirit. Now I don't know if tight's a, a term that you use much. But for me, when I'm thinking if I'm tight with someone, it's someone I'm connected with. It's someone that there is just this amazing relationship that I always want to be around. So we worship God in and through the power of the Holy Spirit that is tight in our lives. And that Holy Spirit's received when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. The second part of how Jesus says we worship is in truth. Jesus gives us another picture of what truth is not in Matthew 15. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-cleansing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. But you say, ah, eh, it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the words of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. He wrote, The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is fake. For they teach man made ideas as commands from God. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, you are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Worship is not heartless repetition, worship is not going through the motions and worrying about what the person next to you looks like, smells like, or sounds like. Worship is an opportunity for you, through the Holy Spirit alive in you, to express gratitude and gratefulness to a God who alone deserves it. And that is what we come here to do every Sunday. From beginning to end, through the songs of the worship, as we sing praises up to the throne, through prayer as we communicate to God out of the depths of our heart, in the sermon as the word of God is spoken and received, that we would give honor for who God is, not honor to anyone on this stage. Because we are just merely vessels that God is using. And when we give, that we would give out of a heart that is grateful for what we have, whether it's a penny or whether it's a million dollars. We are grateful for who God is and what he's done in our life. And this whole time here together is an act of glorifying to him. Because he is the one who deserves all praise. I'm going to end today with a song. And we started the service with this for those of you who are in here. Let's see if I get this right. Unmute it. All right. Maybe? Are we on? All right. The song is called Ever Be. And as we uh, sing I, I encourage you to join along. If you want to just sit there and think about who God is, I would encourage that, what the words are saying. And the bridge, it says, You will be praised. You will be praised. With angels and saints, we sing, Worthy are you, Lord. And what has helped me get in a presence of worship to God and God alone, is just to picture myself around the throne of God with all the angels of saints that have gone before, lifting our voice in, in one voice to praising God who is worthy. So please join me when you feel comfortable and worship the God who is worthy of all praise.
1: Your love is devoted Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old Your love is enduring Through the winter rain Beyond the horizon mercy for today faithful you have been faithful you will be you pledge yourself to me and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your father the orphan your kindness made us whole You shoulder our weakness and your strength becomes our own You're making me like you clothing me in white Beauty from ashes You will have your bride Free of all her guilt And rid of all her shame And known by her true name And it's why I sing your praise Will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You will be praised, you will be praised. With angels and saints we sing worthy. Are you Lord, you will be praised be praised with angels and saints we sing worthy are you lord and it's why i sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips
0: God, you are worthy of all praise. God, it is you who we come to worship, not ourselves or anyone else here. This moment, this time, is for you, God. Because you are the Almighty, you are the everlasting, you are our shepherd. You are the one who heals the one who is there, and we claim all these as truth. You are the giver of life. You are the one who has set us free from the prison of our sin. And we give you praise and glory and honor. And that is why we're here today. God, to praise you through and in the spirit that lives within us. God, I pray that your spirit will help our eyes and our hearts focus on the reality of what we are here to do. That is to glorify you in every way possible, in your power, in your spirit. And God, may we be genuine in all that we do, never doing anything out of repetition doing it from a heart that is so overwhelmingly thankful and grateful for what you've done. We pray this in your heavenly name. Amen.